Ra. Yeah, you're getting waves. Erp. Foof. Crack. We're going to use that for a stinger, you know. Good vibrations, take one. You're grass and I'm power mower. Take uh, seven, is it? But whatever the case, this is episode 12 of Two Next Podcast, and I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Sean. And I'm Lisa. And she is another co-host. And uh, for the time being, that's how it's going to be, and probably permanently. For well, we have another, another co-host. Oh, we do? We have Lola. She's not on mic. Yeah, but she she's- She doesn't have anything to contribute. Except being a puppy. Except being a puppy and... Because it is National Dog yeah, Day. Yeah, we're recording this on National Dog Day. And she is our National Dog. And National Dog Day is the 26th of August, which means if we get this out in time for August, wow, then uh, we have really good uh, post-production skills here. Well, we would have had this out much earlier, but... But I didn't know that GarageBand on the iPhone only records up to a certain amount of time at a... Nah, we're not going to get into all and that. And somebody forgot to pack his... Portable recorder, recorder yeah, yeah. when we went to California oh, earlier yeah. this month. California. Oh, God, it was only this month. It was only this month. And uh, hey, we're going back soon. Well, yeah. But before we get into that, <laughs> a couple of uh, corrections and clarifications that we should acknowledge. Uh, for example, in episode 10, uh, the compilation Made in USA was referred to as a single disc collection. Actually, it's a double disc collection. Single disc if you have the CD, double if you have it on record. And um, previous episode, number 11, we were wondering if KFWB was the station that Brian basically had an entourage hand-deliver heroes and villains to the uh, late-night DJ. It was actually KHJ. Oh, oh, also, I had wondered aloud if we would ever hear Christmas music on the SiriusXM Beach Boys channel, which by the time y'all hear this is probably going to be over. I heard Little St. Nick. As did I, but that's yeah. the only Christmas thing, unless you count the Lord's Prayer, which, of course, was the B-side of Little St. Nick. Yeah. We did hear that. You heard that. I didn't. No, we were, it was when we were in Los Angeles. Really? I believe we heard it together. Huh. Yeah. And, okay. I, I really don't remember that. Well, yeah, because you were too busy, like, trying to navigate Los Angeles streets. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's something I don't recommend if you don't have to do. Try, try not <laughs> to navigate L.A. in the streets. Good night. Uh, what else did I want to say? Yeah, and the other thing I just want to, just a little memory I'd like to bring up really quickly. You were at the beach. I was working. And you texted me about how you heard this Bruce and Terry song that made you go, eh. And I think it was <laughs> you, called, You mean yeah. all of them? <laughs> but this one in particular, I think it was called, Yeah. No, that's when I was in Ocean Grove. Oh, and okay, I was leaving. Okay. And I was driving down Ocean Pathway, and this, well, I mean, I have the same reaction to every Bruce and Terry song, which is, it was awful. <laughs> and this was, it was awful. <laughs> yeah. And uh, out of curiosity, I had to listen to it. Here, we'll drop a few seconds and we can get away with uh, fair use here, I think. No, there's nothing fair about that. Oh, good night. Anybody else notice that this is essentially Little Deuce Coop? Here, we'll drop in another little thing here. That's all I had to say about that. Good. Yeah. Now let's never speak of it again. No, no, okay. no. All right. Is there anything else we need to talk about? We could talk about seeing Brian and his second to last show in the tour that he just did, but that's so last month. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't know if Brian's actually reti- retiring from the road or what, you know, nothing's ever been said publicly or anything, but. We have our own thoughts and things about what might be happening behind the scenes, but hey, we don't know. We yeah, nobody, I, I nobody think, knows. I think I honestly I think we should save discussion for that for when we actually do know something yeah. because 
There's no use speculating. I mean, people are, as always in fan communities, they have to read the tea leaves and try to interpret every little thing. And, you know, it makes me think of those 17 magazines that have eternally had articles like, what do boys really think? Like trying to make boys much more complicated than they are. So it's like fans will take often a little thing that they see or hear or whatever and blow it up mega size. And it's like people are saying, like when Al said, what was it? We've been, to, we've been here at Pine Knob many times and this is the last time. Yeah. So it's like, that could that be the last? <gasps> that means they're never going to do a concert I mean, again it, ever. Could it be it's the last tour? Could it be it's the last date on that tour? Could it be that Pine Knob is being blown up and turned into condos? I don't <laughs> where maybe the venue is going away. Could it be just Al had a brain fart? I don't know. I mean, we don't know. Yeah, Al says a lot of things that aren't 100% accurate. And I don't mean to be bashing the poor oh, guy. No, you know, but, it's just the guy's been around for a long time. He's going to yeah, get things, I mean, he's going to get details until, mixed up, you know. Until we really yeah. hear something more official, or maybe we won't. I, I don't maybe know. Maybe we won't. But here's one thing we do know that Brian did say that we can talk about. He said, in terms of the Beverly Glendelly, which he goes to all the time, as apparently Vanna White's a frequent customer there, judging from the um, Long Promised Road documentary. You know what Brian says about it? He says, for good American food, it would be the Beverly Glen Deli, which is five minutes from my house, uh, which I think is true because I looked it up. It's about a mile and a half down the road from him, really. Uh, he goes on to say, my favorite thing there is the vegetables and the salmon. Nothing fancy inside, just a deli. You go there for the food. Imagine that. You go to a deli for food. <laughs> Who the fuck? Well, before we go on, uh, would you care to share with our listeners why on earth you know where Brian lives? Some, probably about five years ago, five or six years ago, there was a there was an article in some real estate magazine about how his house was up for sale and it had his address on there. I don't remember the address. I remember the name of the street. I'm not going to say it. If you want to know it, look it up. It's not hard to find if you yeah, do some Googling. I just, I just wanted our listeners to know that you're not some like wacko stalker. No, I, no <laughs> I'm not stalking, although when you listen to this episode, you're probably going to question <laughs> that. But the reason I wanted to bring up that Brianism is because we went to Los Angeles for a few days and then San Diego for a few days. And uh, one of the things we did in Los Angeles was stop at various Beach Boys related haunts, if you will, including the Beverly Glendelly, hence that little Brianism. That we put in, and that's what we got to get a stinger for. We got to get a Brianism stinger. <laughs> and this was a continuation of an adventure started on our last trip to LA back in 2016 when we were in town to see Brian at the Hollywood Bowl, yeah, performing on the 50th anniversary of Pet Sounds tour because we couldn't pass up that opportunity to see Brian in his habitat, <laughs> yeah, and at such a glorious historical venue to yeah, sell so, ma so many big names perform there the of Beatles course. of course uh, uh, who I'm, I'm pretty sure Frank Sinatra has been there before and of course the great Giovanni Jones <laughs> you know for those who don't get that reference I pity you if, if you look don't up, get that reference look up that Bugs Bunny cartoon when he was uh, fighting back against a temperamental opera singer <laughs> but yeah if you if you read I Am Brian Wilson at the very end of the book, when he's detailing a trip to a concert, that was the concert we went to. Yeah. It's like, he was coming to see us and perform for us. Well, not see us, but he was coming to perform for us. Yeah. We and were there. <laughs> I was reading that description in the book. He's talking about all the landmarks they passed. I know where that is. I know where that is. Yeah. And long story short, I freaking love the Hollywood Bowl as a performance venue, at least as a spectator. One thing that I was doing before we left for LA was just to see if there's any way I could make an excuse to go there. But no, there was nothing playing. I was like, hey, maybe we should check it out. But it's such a beautiful venue. And it's what I really appreciate about it is it has a lot of the same vibe as Ravinia Festival, which is a summer venue north of Chicago. That has a uh, an amphitheater. You can get uh, tickets for seats under a roof, or you can sit out on a vast lawn, almost 
oh, practically a forest because it's like among the trees. And unlike so many other venues where you could hardly bring yourself in, let alone any food or beverage or whatever, both Ravinia and the Hollywood Bowl allow you to bring in your own food, your own alcohol. You can picnic there at the Hollywood Bowl. There's no lawn. It's all seats and then bleachers, but they have a number of picnic tables throughout their grounds where people can just bring a picnic dinner and and then go and enjoy the show. And it's just, I just love that kind of hospitable environment that you don't see at a lot of venues. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some places where I remember a venue I know well out in New Jersey, where during a huge heat wave years ago, they decreed that you could bring in one small sealed bottle of water. Oh, they're all it's part. Like, it's like, oh, you're so kind and generous. Well, at least they had <laughs> misters in place in a few places. Yeah, but... It's better than nothing. But the... Uh, no, Hollywood Bowl was fantastic. Highly recommend going if you can. We did check out some Beach Boys sites in 2016, but we didn't get to go to everything that we wanted to go to. So on this trip, it's like, okay, let's pick up where we left off and keep touring around and just seeing places in person, you know, oh, yeah. places you've heard about or maybe you picture in your mind, and then you actually see it in person and it's... It's kind of like, wow, (laughs) it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And it's like, wow, it's a lot bigger than I thought. Or wow, it's a lot smaller than I thought. Or a lot uglier. Or a lot. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, let's start. Shall we start with Foster's Freeze in Hawthorne? Foster's Freeze, which we visited on our way to LAX when we left LA in 2016. Yeah, we had heard about Foster's Freeze for a long time and realized over the years that it wasn't quite the site that we thought it was because we we had heard that it was the quote-unquote hamburger stand referred to in fun 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 which it's not nope and that it's the place where the wilsons heard surfing on the radio for the first time and carl was so excited that he drank too many milkshakes and threw up all over brian's car One of the sources says that, uh, it might have been David Marks who said that the reason Carl threw up was because he smoked, he he decided to smoke a lot of cigarettes and it made him nauseous. Well, okay, whatever. He had some kind of excess. Yeah. And when you're, he was what, 13? Something like that. (laughs) 13, 14. So, but evidently that was an A&W stand. Yeah. But still, Foster's Freeze was a place that they went to frequently, you know, they being the Wilsons, Al Jardine. Uh, Probably David Marks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, because he lived he lived right in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And it's right on Hawthorne Boulevard. I mean, it's it's nothing fancy. It's just hamburgers and hot dogs and milkshakes and things like that. And our flight was like early afternoon. Yeah. So we figured we'd get there just right when they opened and get like an early lunch before yeah. we headed to LAX. Yeah, we got there at their scheduled opening time on their website and posted it on their window. Yeah, but it wasn't open. It wasn't open, but and some we- guy in a pickup or an SUV drove by into the parking lot and said, I'll open in 30 minutes. So we had the time. We're like, Okay, and, yeah, we can and he did, there was some Beach Boys stuff, some articles and things. Yeah, the windows pa- are wallpapered with articles. Yeah, so we're just kind of hanging out, you know, waiting for this guy to come back and fire up the grill and whatever. And <laughs> we see this, now keep in mind, I mean, not to put down Hawthorne, but I mean, it's it's very, very working class. It's not fancy. No. I mean, it never was fancy. It wasn't fancy. I mean, Probably what what it had going for it when Brian and all of them were growing up was that a lot of it was probably very new because a lot of Hawthorne was built up because of people working in like nearby factories, like the aerospace industry. Yeah. And probably worked at LAX pro- too. LAX probably right probably Mattel, which oh, yeah. was also based in Hawthorne. Mm-hmm. So you had probably a lot of houses that were very new. I think I looked up once like Hawthorne High School only opened in the 50s. So a lot of it was probably just new, but that doesn't mean it was fancy or stylish or whatever. So we're sitting there waiting. 
the place is right on Hawthorne Boulevard, which is like the main drag. Yep. And I see this giant freaking rat <laughs> racing across the street. Yeah, and it was like our sign to uh, maybe we should just head to the airport. Yeah, we just no, we went to In and Out. Well, yeah, as 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 everyone does in LA. yeah, which is another beach. Well, I don't know which In and Out because there are billions of them, but we know that it is a Beach Boys related thing because most people listening have probably seen the picture of Brian from a few years ago in the recording studio, and there's an In-N-Out bag or cup or something. A cup. That's the thing that everybody remembers about the It's like, like a large picture. soda yeah. cup with the distinctive red and white palm tree design on it. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Hawthorne High School and Foster's Freeze and everything, it's right there. Like Hawthorne High School, Foster's Freeze, uh, the former site of the Wilson House, well, still the site of it, it's just no longer, of course, the Wilson House, and nearby there's a monument that we did not visit, but we'll talk about that in a second, and where Al Jardine lived as a kid. They're all, like, right freaking there. Brian could have stuck his head out the window and yelled out to Al. <laughs> That's how close they lived. Yeah. The, the books don't tell you that. Yeah. But I was like, holy cow, like, this is where Al used to live, and there's where the Wilson now, House never, used to be. I never saw anything... With Al's, I mean, we know that the Wilson house was at 3701 West 119th yes. Street. You have not read the Jim Murphy book. That's oh, right. yeah. Okay, it's fine. In but yeah, and the thing is, you know that when Brian would go to Foster's Freeze, when he'd go to school, when he if he went over to Al's house, despite being able to walk to all those places in about five seconds, he probably hopped in his car. Well, yeah, because who walks in... Los Angeles. This is Hawthorne. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's car culture and... You want to show and, off your wheels. And from what I recall, I don't remember exactly what... I know it's written down somewhere what kind of car Brian had in high school, and I'm sure somebody listening to this is screaming at their speakers, but... I mean, I know it was something cool. It like, it's not been. like he was driving a 1934 Studebaker or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was something pretty decent. Like, not a 57 Chevy, but something comparable to that. I mean, that was, it was the time. It was the culture. I mean, why do you think half the Beach Boys songs were about cars? Because that's yeah. what people talked about. And Everybody and, talked about it. Everybody dug. could relate to that, even if you weren't from Southern California. Well, yeah. That's why they would have a surfing song on one side, a car song on mm -hmm. the other. And it turns out the surfing songs were a big hit across the country because it still propelled that California myth. Well, that's, hey, that's what, I mean, not that my dad was any stranger to beaches growing up in uh, northern Massachusetts, but the car songs are what he heard first, and that's what got his attention. Yeah. And to answer everybody's question, no, we didn't go to the monument. We have, we have our reasons for that. For one thing, the monument isn't exactly on the site of where the house used to be. It's like probably about 50 feet off to the side. But we just have our, our reasons. You know, I, we just don't really have any desire to go there. I mean, yeah, it's cool that they did it. I'm glad that it's there. Well, it, but it I kind just, of, I mean, it, I don't know. It's, I guess like when you look at how the National Trust in England preserved the Beatles' childhood homes and it just, I mean, it's Beatles envy. I mean, it just almost feels like, well, that's kind of symbolic of how the Beach Boys are seen that there was no, no acknowledgement or, well, even the, the monument itself is only there because of the work of a fan. Yeah. There was at least, I think there was a fan who spearheaded it. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but I mean, I, in the forum at the time that the whole thing was happening. And I think he spearheaded it and then got some support from some people who knew what they were doing, and it was able to get proposed and put through. Because I mean, we have seen that while the Beach Boys don't always seem to get huge respect at the same time, there are times like just how Ronald Reagan was a backer of theirs, like in the yeah. 80s when the whole James Watt debacle. <laughs> and uh I mean, there are times that especially California will come through for the Beach Boys because, face it, look at what they have done to promote California yeah. and bring tourism to California. And, <laughs> and how many people from the last several decades have ventured out to Southern California because of what they heard 
on Beach Boys songs and similar songs. Or at least it sparked an interest that became something that they wanted to make reality. It's not so much like, I heard Surfing USA, I'm going to buy a plane ticket. (laughs) But it's more just kind of opening the door to a culture and an idea that may not have existed to them otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And one of those such ideas, like, say, the whole concept of Surf City, which Brian handed off to Jan and Dean, long story short. We actually visited the actual Surf City, Huntington Beach. It wasn't this trip. It wasn't our previous LA trip, but it was uh, 2018, I think. And uh, unbeknownst to us, until we (laughs) arrived in Huntington Beach, (laughs) aka Surf City, USA, Happened to be the World Surfing Championships. Sponsored by Vans. Sponsored by Vans. (laughs) Because of course it was. The thing is, that stop in Huntington Beach was such a whirlwind stop. I really don't remember a lot about it. I pretty much we pretty much just stopped there because we were we were doing a road trip from uh, San Diego to San Francisco. Yeah. And part of our trip was uh, a stop for the night and then going to um Catalina Island and Huntington Beach was on the way and I wanted I basically just wanted to check out the um the surfing museum oh, so there. Did I. So we it was, wanted It was pretty cool. So it's like we just stopped off cheap too. We just stopped off, saw the surfing museum, had lunch and then we're on our way. So we didn't really spend a lot of time there but it was very busy. We were lucky yeah. to find a parking yeah, spot. Yeah, we should go back in the office. It's like, so sometime. yeah, if you're going to Huntington Beach, um, call first. <laughs> yeah, check ahead of time to make sure there isn't a surf competition. And and I do have to say this. Oh? When we're talking about Surf City, and yes, I do know Huntington Beach has been dubbed Surf City. Um, There's a place in New Jersey that actually is called Surf City. Like, and, that's uh, the real name of the town. I know it's... It's on Long Beach Island. Okay, so about, it actually is near uh, near Surf. Well, yeah, it's it's on Long Beach Island on the Jersey Shore. Probably about the... Pretty much the exact midpoint of the Jersey Shore, actually. Okay, speaking of places called Surf City. Now, correct me if I'm thinking about something else, but I could have sworn I've seen on a couple of Beach Boys records... A little note that said, recorded in Surf City. Well, I mean, there's probably other places that... I don't think they recorded in Huntington Beach. There might be other places that have dubbed themselves that. Unless they I decided mean, that LA, where they're from, happens to be like, hey, we, we, made, a, we made this whole thing happen. We're going to call it Surf City. Now, wait, you saw this, you said it was on a record? It was on a couple of different records. It might have been... I, I mean, could it be just something like... A capital copywriter put there. It might have been. It might have been. I, I want to say it was on fifteen big ones or something. But I'm. But I'm. Well, that wouldn't I'm be capital. Sure I'm, I'm wrong about that. But I could have sworn I've seen that on a, on a Beach Boys album. But and it is a Beach Boys site because it is mentioned in Surfing U. Uh, Surfing Safari. Well, yeah. As is another place that we checked out in 2016, 2018, and this year, Malibu specifically. Paradise Cove. Paradise freaking Cove. Now that, if you're going to look for a Beach Boys site, you can't go wrong with this one. No. Because this is where their first big photo shoot took place in for 1962 Capitol, for, Cap- for Capitol Records. And in fact, in the booklet for the Good Vibrations box set, there's actually a note that... I believe, was it Dennis left for David Marks? No, Brian left oh, Bri- for David. Brian left for David Marks, saying, like, bring these clothes and be at this place at this time or whatever. And it's either Audrey Wilson or David Marks' mom held on to it, just like, you know, moms hold on to stuff. Yeah, we saw it in person. <laughs> well, I think we saw a different note. I think it was the exact same oh, it was one. The same I'm note? pretty sure it was. Yeah, at the uh, Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of yeah. Fame. Yeah. And when they had the Beach Boys exhibit 15 years ago. But this uh, this was the photo shoot that had the pictures that were on the cover of both the Surf and Safari and the Surfer Girl albums, where they're wearing yeah. white t-shirts, khaki pants, and the Pendleton shirts. The famous Pendleton shirts, kind of a blue and teal plaid. And we were able to acquire identical shirts some years ago when I checked out uh, Pendleton outlet in um, Indiana. Turns out Pendleton had made 
that exact plaid again. And there was a label sewn inside that even said that this was the same plaid that the Beach Boys wore. And it's called Beach Boy Plaid. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it really is a beautiful, a beautiful shirt. Like the colors really look very oceany. So they made a very good choice. And of course, because we are who we are, we are what we are, I should say. <laughs> we had to have our pictures taken at Paradise Cove while wearing a white t-shirt, Pendleton shirt. And khaki shorts. Khaki shorts. it was hot out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like wearing shorts. But I, the, I, uh, my legs get warm. But the cliff that you clearly see in the background of, the, of those pictures, because there's also plenty of other photos from that shoot that have been used in other things yeah. or... I mean, they're all over the place. Just go to Google Images and you can find them. Lots of different poses, them carrying the surfboards, yep. them sitting on and around the uh, the yellow pickup truck. And there is a little sign, a little marker on the beach that says, this is the spot. Is the spot. Yeah. <laughs> but Paradise Cove is... It's worth going to even if you have no interest in the Beach Boys whatsoever. It really is because it's the site of the Paradise Cove Cafe, which uh, I don't know if it's always been called that or if it's changed hands over the years, but I believe it is a restaurant that's been there for a very long time. And it has really, really, really good food that is pricey, but you get huge portions like go there hungry (laughs) yeah if you think you're gonna have well i'll have this plus a little appetizer no you will not nothing there is little and what's nice is when you go there if you just go for the beach it's like 45 dollars to park or 65 on weekends and holidays but if you eat at the restaurant parking is only ten dollars and that's for four hours so you're only paying ten bucks And you get four hours at the place to eat and then use the beach for a little while. Mm -hmm. And the restaurant has an indoor part, but there's also outdoor seating that's not on your typical patio. No. The tables are right on the sand. Yeah, take off your shoes, your sandals, whatever. If you've never had a meal at a table with your feet in the sand, it is amazing. Yeah, it's really, really lovely. And it's right on the ocean. And then there's a little beach that has, um, you can rent um, day beds and little separate cabana areas. But they also have rows of Adirondack chairs that are available for everybody. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't bring your beach stuff, but you want to take a sit for a little while, you can just sit in an Adirondack chair. And it's, uh, it's a really lovely place. And it has great significance and it has the best soup i've ever had (laughs) the first item on the menu the clam chowder it is the best soup i've ever had in my life get it in a bread bowl and nothing else because that will fill you up well they they serve it in a bread bowl but then they bring you like a little pot of that has the rest of the rest of the soup (laughs) so you can keep filling the bread bowl yeah but it's a really lovely place to spend some time i mean it does take from Los Angeles proper, it does take some time to get out there yeah. because Malibu is not close. <laughs> yeah. If you remember uh, the end of the movie Love and Mercy when Brian asks Melinda to take him home and uh, she said, I'm not going all the way to Malibu. Yeah, it is all the way. <laughs> yeah, I think there are. <laughs> See, it's. And that's the Those thing. Those of you who live out there, you this is nothing new to you. Well, that's course, the thing, too, but, about know. no matter where you grow up. You hear about Los Angeles and Hollywood and the Pacific Coast and all these things and Malibu. You hear about this stuff your whole life. And then you get out there and you realize that like Malibu, it's not like it's right next to Los Angeles or Hollywood. It's in Los Angeles County, but part of it is actually not even in LA County. Part of it is in uh, Ventura County. County. Yeah. Yeah. Because Malibu is just like a 20-something mile strip, there's really not much to it. It's just kind of goes like Pacific Coast Highway and the areas immediately around it. And you have uh, and, Pepperdine University there, too. And yeah, forget about forget about walking anywhere. Yeah, you cannot <laughs> you walk You seriously anywhere. cannot walk because there's, there is no place to walk. Like, yeah. just buy a house and sit there. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, Peter Asher did. 
Yeah. Fun I fact mean, for you, found out that Peter Asher lives there. You have to like get in your car and to go anywhere, but it's yeah. uh it's certainly pretty. It's certainly pretty, and we know of at least one celebrity who agrees with us <laughs> because we spotted her there. Oh yeah, when we were eating our lunch, we see um two women walk past our table, and I was like, was that Rosie O'Donnell? Because yeah, one of they stopped at some woman's table. Is is that your first kid? Yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty, it was her and I'm her pretty wife. Sure it was too. And, and uh, we asked our waitress. <laughs> well, Shauna asked her wait- our waitress if if that was Rosie O'Donnell, and the waitress was like, "I don't know who that is." Like she was probably like 18. <laughs> and it's like she's never heard of Rosie O'Donnell. Sorry, oh, God. I do not feel old. <laughs> I don't feel old. I and oh, we saw so much. I'm pretty sure the Beach Boys went back to Paradise Cove for the all summer long photo shoot. I'm oh, pretty the, sure that's Paradise Cove as it well. It could be. It could be. I mean, it was a very, well, Malibu itself is yeah. full of locations. And I mean, Paradise Cove also has a marker because uh, Jim Rockford on the Rockford yes, Files yes. lived in a trailer at Paradise Cove. I mean, geez, just a little bit north of there, you have Zuma Beach, where Beach Boys also did photo, a photo shoot in 1967. And you also have the Cabrillo State Beach, which yep. is where Gidget was mm-hmm. filmed. So, yeah, I mean, there's many, many more things that we're not going to get into listing now. I mean, it's Malibu. It's Malibu Barbie. Go there. (laughs) Malibu Barbie. So Malibu and Hawthorne come together. Oh, stop. In so many ways. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. (laughs) And on the way back, this time we stopped at Pico and Sepulveda. Some of you might know why I had to stop there. Some of you might not. And something I just realized, like one thing we did not stop at that we might want to keep for next time. Mount Vernon and Fairway. Yeah. That's another intersection. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we drove pat, like near there on the way from LAX to the hotel. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure we went, that's in what, Baldwin Hills, I think? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we drove through Baldwin Hills. Yeah. And uh, I know there was something that made me think we were, we must have been near, I, I think I may have seen a sign for uh, Dorsey High School or something. Mm, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I think we right. were like probably pretty close to where Mike Love grew up. Yeah. I think you can conclude which corner it was because <laughs> if you look up Mount Vernon and Fairway and Google Maps into a street view, one of the houses is blurred out. <laughs> that might be the one. <laughs> So where does our tour take us next? Oh, I don't know where it takes us next. Dude, driving around LA, I don't know what's well, where anywhere. Well, why don't it's we, such a zigzaggy. Well, why don't we talk about, well, okay, let's talk about some zigzaggy. Oh, God, yeah. We decided to be those kinds of people and drive past the house that Brian and Marilyn lived in when they were first married mm. and kind of through the pet sounds and part of the Smile era, because it's well known that the address is 1448 Laurel Way. Mm-hmm. And I guess it, I'm not exactly sure if it's, if it isn't Beverly Hills, it's very close it's to like it. It's like literally two blocks away from Beverly Hills, because something we notice when going away from it, when you cross into the 1200 block of, uh, like when you're leaving the 1400 block, you go into the 1200 block, you see a welcome to Beverly Hills uh, city limit kind of sign. Yeah. So and I don't know. Google Maps was essential for us. Oh, so, yeah. so we were we were able to find it quite I mean, it wasn't hard to find it. It was just hard to drive to it because oh, yeah. it's like on top of a freaking mountain. And, and you're going up almost 180 degrees. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty steep streets. I mean, it's fortunate that that region never sees ice and snow or oh, else God, people would yeah. be dead. But yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, steep streets and a lot of blind spots all over the place. And the house is actually almost at the top of this hill, mountain, whatever, because just past it is a turnaround. And we didn't stop or anything. We didn't want to be, again, those kind of people. But we had seen pictures of it before. And you can easily see it on Google Maps, on the street view of Google Maps. But I mean, it's a pretty small house. And it's very, very close to the street. I'll tell you this, it was bigger than I thought it would be. But it's not some palatial mansion. And that's something <laughs> that's something to realize. Like if you if you've ever been on like the tour of the movie stars homes, I mean, my mom and I took that back in the eighties. 
where, of course, most of the celebrities that were featured on the tour were from like when my mom was a kid. Oh, there's Jack Benny's house. <laughs> and there's where Bob Hope used to live or yeah. things like that. But you realize like those houses were, again, not these big, crazy palatial mansions with riding stables and tennis yeah. courts and 16 pools and a, a theater and all this stuff. Like a lot of the people who were kind of in the first movie star era, the homes were a lot, I mean, not saying they were tiny or anything, but they were a lot more modest than you would expect. Like they looked like really, really nice suburban houses, which that's what they were. And I mean, for a lot of these people who grew up in Lower East Side tenements. <laughs> Good grief. Like yeah. when they made it, that's what they, they wanted a lawn and a nice in-ground swimming pool and a nice pretty split level house, but they weren't like on 20,000 acres with giant hedges walling them off. Yeah. And a lot of the houses in that area are like that, that they're not behind massive fences. They're just kind of there. I mean, yeah, they're probably hella expensive, mm -hmm. but they're, they're not what we've been made to think that all people of that class live in, yeah. that they... They looked more accessible. <laughs> but yeah, we're looking at that. Oh my God, there's where Brian parked his car back in, in that picture that we saw. And yeah, it was really something to see that. And I remember driving up that, that thing and thinking, really, why the hell would somebody choose to live <laughs> up here where you have to do all this? The only thing I can think of is Murray might not have liked the drive and Brian knew that. <laughs> that was a good way to keep Murray away. Until we got there and we were turning around in the cul-de-sac and I saw that where Brian lived, he had an amazing view yeah, of the city. Yeah, it's pretty much all of Los Angeles at your feet. Yeah, you, you see skyscrapers uh, off in the distance really easily. I, think, I don't think it was downtown LA, but it was still just an well, amazing city view. Well, it was probably like, and I didn't even realize this until just now, that from that vantage point, there's like a clump of skyscrapers, or maybe not so much skyscrapers by Chicago standards, but no. tall, tall buildings. Tall enough. And I realized just now that that's probably like the Century City area, which uh, yeah. is right next to Beverly Hills. Because when my mom and I stayed at the Beverly Hilton back in 1985, we knew that Century City was right there because we could see some of those buildings pretty close from the balcony of our hotel room. Because LA doesn't, I don't think, really has a skyline in the way New York or Chicago does. It, but a, my, it does It's have not the one, same, but though. But it has the, an identify, you like, you can see it and you'll know, oh, that's LA. But yeah, that, I just realized that clump of buildings was probably like Century City mm -hmm. or Studio City, which is very close to Beverly Hills. Sure. And I know from seeing other pictures of... Brian's home at that time, you know, different Beach Boys photos and things that the pool, like if you were sitting out by the pool, that was your view. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it was whatever you had to do to get that house, it was worth it. <laughs> and the other thing I can imagine why Brian lived there is if you just go down the hill, you'll find yourself at sunset. You just make a turn and you'll head oh, right yeah. into Hollywood. I mean, where it's all the pretty close are. to his workplaces. Yeah, you just at go the time. down the hill and you have to pass a street called Maryland Street. By oh, the way. yeah, how adorable! So how adorable! But so that should take us to. On um, speaking of Sunset Boulevard, yeah, there's there's a place that we checked out in 2016. Couldn't get inside, but it was enough to just be at that building. Yeah, which. Back in the day, was known as Western. Western Recorders. Yep. In the 6,000 block of Sunset. Yep. A very, not, not very palatial building, just a no. one-story building. It's a rectangular building. White with gold accents, gold stars on it. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd, what, didn't he record in a studio called Gold Star? Wouldn't that confuse him? I don't know. But Gold it was Star, like, by the way, is now a place you can get your nails done at. But it's like Western contains the room where it yes, happened. Yes. Studio 3, where the majority of the work on Pet Sound, Smile, a lot of other things took place. A lot, seriously, a lot of things after Surf and Safari. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because that became one of Brian's favorite places, especially once he knew that that's where Phil Spector did his yeah. thing. Like well, West, Spector Western. used Sunset a lot, too, I think. And Gold, and Gold Star. Star. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the Christmas album was done at Gold Star. I think so, too, yeah. Um, if you watch Love and Mercy and see those scenes outside of Western, that is exactly where that is. Well, yeah. I mean, they did. That wasn't a set. Like, they yeah, actually that was the real shot thing. at Western and inside. Because like, we could point at things. Oh, that's where that's where Mike made Brian feel bad. Oh, that's where Brian and Hal had that little chat yep. in, the car, yep. in the car hood. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Love to be able to go inside, but yeah, that wasn't going to yeah, happen. Well, yeah, because it's one of those places where you have to be buzzed in. And I don't think that if we turned on the intercom and they said, you know, what are you here for? I said, uh, we just want to pop our heads into Studio 3 for a few seconds. I don't think they would have allowed us in. <laughs> I did email them a couple of months before we went there in 2016 and just just to see like what their <laughs> rates were. Like, hey, if I want to have a session and I want an engineer, uh, how much would I be looking to spend? I never heard back from yeah. them. Oh, you know what? You know what we need to do? What? We need to record an episode of this podcast there. Oh God! See how much that costs. We can oh, raise boy. we can raise funds from our listeners. Oh boy! Because <laughs> I look at the stats now, and then we have a hell of a lot more listeners than my other podcast. I probably do- just <laughs> I probably just cry all over the paneling because, like that paneling, <laughs> there is stuff absorbed into that paneling. Yeah. Not far from there is the Beach Boys star on the Walk of Fame, yeah. so we got to see that, which was nice. Which is near Capitol Records, which, by the way, despite popular belief, is not at Hollywood and Vine. It's near it. <laughs> it's a block away at Yucca and Vine. Yeah, but Hollywood and Vine sounds a lot better than Yucca and Vine. <laughs> it's quicker to say, though. Yucca and Vine. Yeah, but it's... Vine and Yucca. It's not... Yeah, two plants right it, there. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well, and it's... yeah. yeah. And you don't want the yuck sound in your record company. <laughs> but the Capitol Tower is just an amazing piece of architecture. Yeah, we didn't go inside. I mean, we might have been able to go inside, but we we didn't. It's more like, hey, let's check out the star. Hey, there's the tower. Yeah, it's like super cool. Went right past it on the way to the hotel uh, this most recent mm-hmm. trip. Where, oh, we're already there. There's the, the tower right there. And... Uh, it's so historic too, because you know you think, wow, that's where th- that's where Nat King Cole happened, that's where Sinatra happened. Any records that you have that have asterisks carved into the runout groove come right from that building. Hmm. And yeah, yeah, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. A little bit of trivia for you: the uh, little blinky light on top of the spindle, as it were, on top of the building, it spells out in Morse Hollywood. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. And we should also mention, I th- we did walk past where Columbia is, right? There was like United and Columbia. They're, they're all right like, next um, to each yeah, other. they're all on the same, pretty much on the same block, more or less, of Brian's favorite studios in and around the Pet Sounds era. The only one that was not located right there was Gold Star. Yeah. Because I think Gold Star was like one street up or something. And it's not even there anymore. It's like a dry cleaner or something. It's a a strip mall, really. And the actual location where Gold Star was, like I said a few minutes ago, is a place you can get your nails done. (laughs) So, yeah. And I don't think it's right there in that same row of studios. I think it's a mile or two down the street from... from, uh, But it's the same general area. I mean, it's Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood's not all that. If you were going to go from one location to the other, it would just take you a couple minutes. Yeah, and... uh, you really do want to, if you're going from, say, Western to Gold Star, you really do want to hop in your car because it's not really walking well, distance. Well, nothing's walking distance. Oh, we, hey, when we went to Western and hung out outside of it and took it in, we walked there from our hotel. Well, yeah, because that's what we do. I mean, I mean. Well, hey, we're north, we live on the north side of Chicago. We Northsiders like to walk everywhere. And I also spent a lot of time in New York City. You don't drive in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, something else we went past when we were out and about just driving around, we did drive past the Whiskey A Go-Go a couple of times, and what surprised me about the whiskey is how small it is. Well, yeah. It's basically kind of... It's, it's basically just a just little a, nightclub. Yeah, it's, it's like a bar and grill or something. It's not like this... You wouldn't look at it and say, oh, there's a performance venue. You're going to be like, oh, there's a place I can go in and have a beer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, know, we of course know that the Beach Boys played there many times. They did... 
Uh, of course, uh, several dates in 1970 with Brian, of all people, yeah. playing with him. Yep. So, of course, that was but, on the, And Johnny Rivers, of course, recorded several albums there. Oh, yay. <laughs> but back to what you brought up in the beginning. On this trip, we did go to the Beverly Glen Deli. Yes, Now, yes, I we would did. be lying if I said, oh, we had no intention of seeing Brian, because well, you never know. But okay, I didn't really intend to go there to see if maybe Brian was going to be there, but I was thinking it would be really awesome if he were there, and I'll try not to bother him. But it's more like, okay, Brian is a guy who appreciates good food. Yes. He goes there like every day. Because I don't, even though I've been to LA a few times, I don't feel like I really know it. And I do like picking up restaurant recommendations from kind of unexpected, quirky sources. Like uh, years ago, I helped lead a writing workshop with like 12-year-old kids. And this one boy told me about several restaurants that I think we went to a couple of them and really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. So I do like picking up kind of quirky restaurant recommendations. And it's like, hey, if Brian likes this place that much, it's probably good. Yeah. And I looked at the menu. Yeah, it's deli, but kind of the Jewish deli sort of thing, yeah. where you're going to have like overstuffed sandwiches and potato pancakes. And I think the first item on the menu is matzo balls. Yeah. Which so is, as we know, is a sodium bomb. Which, which is, and I mean, <laughs> this is food that we like. So it's, yeah. we figured, hey, let's check it out, see something different. If we see Brian there, hey, okay, but. If not, I mean, and we didn't see Brian there, but we had a really, really good lunch. We really did. (laughs) And I remember when we got, it's, by the way, it's in kind of a a, a hoity-toity kind of strip mall. Every business sign is in the same fancy font and everything. And uh, spoiler alert for those of you who haven't read it yet, uh, the David Leaf book talks about Brian's kind of sort of bachelor party before he and Melinda got married. They went to another restaurant that was in the same strip. It was just a couple of doors away from the Beverly Glen Deli, which I didn't know about until we already left LA and we're in San Diego. (laughs) But yeah. And what really, this is another one of those places that surprised me because of how small it is. Cause if you watch the scenes in long promised road, when they're in the Beverly Glen Deli, it looks pretty spacious in there. It is not. And also, if you saw that picture that somebody snapped of Brian sitting alone in a booth, and there's like a cane or a walker near him or something, that also makes it look big. It is not. It's very tight inside. It's a pretty small place. And I mean, when we were there, it was busy. So maybe... I mean, maybe it's a little, feels a little more spacious when it's, because I'm sure when they filmed, they probably went at like to, a total off time or maybe even the place. Maybe they rented it out for the yeah, day or they, something. Yeah, they may have not even had any other customers there, but. And the thing is, we pulled up, we we got out of the car, we walked over, we did not park in Brian's handicapped space. <laughs> oh, I park there all the time, it's okay. No, we parked in a real space. We walk up there, the lady said, did you call ahead? And we're like, oh, crap. Like, we drove all the way up here and found out that you know, we're not going to be able to yeah. get lunch. But no, she said, she, we said, no, we didn't call ahead. She said, well, you're going to have to eat inside then. Is that okay? We're like, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they did have- They had uh, a big wait for outside yeah. seating. But if you happen to be in that area, like, I, I think it's, uh, well, Beverly Glen, which I think is kind of around Bel Air. It is in Bel Air. Yeah, But it's uh, also close to, because uh, I know when we got off the highway- we went through Sherman Oaks. Oh, we so did. If, okay. Yeah, so it's like kind of close to Sherman Oaks, and but yeah, if you happen to be in the area and you want some really good sandwiches and good food, I love yeah. the matzo ball soup there. Yeah, it was a bit of a drive to get there, but that's it's a bit of a drive we, to we get everywhere in LA. And, <laughs> and I disagree with Brian and his assessment about how yeah, it's just you just go there for the. It's still it's a nice place. It I is. really like I, it was. Certainly a place to look at, and they had a couple of TVs up there, including one showing some dog races and well, dog not, agility Not things. dog races. Well, not like, like at a racetrack. It's more like- It was dog agility. Like, a, a, like obstacle courses and yeah. things. But. And I mean, in a way, I'm kind of glad Brian wasn't there, well, because yeah. there's no way I would have been cool about that. You shook the man's <laughs> hand, and you were okay. Yeah, until I got out to the street, and I completely lost it. That was 45 minutes later. Yeah, but still, it was delayed reaction. <laughs> 
Good Lord. <laughs> so you would have had a delayed reaction here. Big deal. <laughs> Did we talk about how crazy it is trying to drive in that area? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I was, every time we went out, I was, well, we, we went out to the uh, in and out that was like half a mile away from the hotel and we came back. I had to go to bed because I was so. Well, yeah. I mean, because in LA, I mean, even though there are parts that are a grid, it's still, I mean, it's not flat terrain. And when you're used to Chicago driving, and it's also Los Angeles is not like other places. It's not like you can get a hotel kind of in a central location. There's no central And check into your hotel and then strike out on foot or maybe very short cab or uber rides or you have your mass transit nearby la is just not like that like if you have a list of sites you want to see maybe you can rig it so that you can be close to a few of them but you really 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 need a car and it kind of made me laugh that a little bit after we got back heidi stevens who is a uh, freelance columnist a syndicated columnist who used to write for the Chicago Tribune. And I follow her on Facebook. I still read her stuff. And she's based here in Chicago. She's fantastic. And uh, she uh, had taken a trip with her son to LA for his 13th birthday. She asked him, you know, what do you want to do for your 13 is a big year. And he wanted to go to a Dodgers game or game at Dodger Stadium. He wanted to see Dodger Stadium in person. So they went to LA for, it was just like two or three days. It was a very short trip. But when they got to LA, they go to get the rental car and she realizes she left her driver's license at the TSA checkpoint at O'Hare. And what, she had to have her ex-husband like overnight or her passport Well, not her husband, not her ex-husband. Oh, okay. I thought. But well, yeah, I mean, her her husband had to overnight her, her passport so that she could get on the plane to come back home. But you still can't rent a car with a passport. Yeah. <laughs> like, you need a driver's license. And she even happened to have a photo of it in her phone. They wouldn't take it. So, as she says, because she wrote a column about this, and things go wrong with travel, but yet it turns out okay. Because they had a fan, despite that problem, they still had a fantastic time. But she's like, you know, I'm transferring uh, money out of my savings account to pay for 48 hours worth of Ubers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in Los Angeles. Oh, boy. But it's that same kind of thing that I don't know if she had been to LA before, but just that thinking that just like if you go to Chicago or New York City or Boston or DC or any number of cities yeah. that we've been to. We've been to all those cities where and we more. Could, where we could stay in a central location yep. mm-hmm. and we didn't need to rent a car. Yeah. Vegas, we don't. You don't need to rent a car. L.A., yeah, you got to rent a car unless you literally do not plan to step outside of the general area where you're staying. Like, if we only wanted to go to places in Hollywood, we would have been fine without a car. Well, yeah, but we still would have been kind of limited because of like there really weren't a lot of good restaurants around there. But and to be fair, Hollywood is walkable from where we were, but. Well, it's but, walkable. But the thing is, there were cars zooming right past yeah. us, like three inches away. And it's like, Ew. yeah, it's walkable in that there are sidewalks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, in LA, that was why we were glad we were going to San Diego after LA because you needed the rest. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of San Diego, one thing that uh, people might be wondering did we visit the San Diego Zoo? No, we did not. We did not go to check out the Pet Sounds photo shoot area. For various reasons, you know, we're not really zoo people that much. And if I'm going to a zoo, I want to see penguins. I don't care about <laughs> a petting zoo where people got their pictures taken. Well, and also we have no idea where in the zoo that well, location yeah. is, or even if it's still the same. They may have renovated things where it would look totally different. And but it costs sixty-seven dollars. Yeah. It's crazy expensive. Oh, and I looked up zoos in every major city i could think of the next most expensive was i think in phoenix and it was like 39 dollars. yeah everywhere and, else it's like between 15 and 25 and then of course here in yeah, chicago Lincoln Park zoo in chicago in a ritzy neighborhood at that it costs zero to yep. get in yep. zero the only time lincoln park zoo charges an admission is if it's like a special event like 
Zoo which lights. is which is actually usually for a fundraiser for charity. Yeah, like I don't think it's something that they necessarily profit o- off of. So I mean, the catch is they are, they try to get you to buy stuff in the gift shop. So oh they can hell get yeah, support and and it's like here you want a hot chocolate. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean yeah they they definitely have opportunities for you to drop money. Yeah, but to actually walk in there and just walk around, it's free, which is. I think really nice. Yeah, but getting back to the subject, yeah, we didn't go to San Diego Zoo. There are some other places we didn't go to either because we don't want to or because we didn't make it there yet. Like for example, Pizza Show is one example, which uh-huh. I think is where they went. They they hung out a lot for pizza as teenagers. We did not go to Pizza Show. No, because it's in California. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're those kind of people who don't want to eat pizza in California. No, and from what I heard. David Marks says, yeah, Pizza Show wasn't very good back then, and it's still not very good. <laughs> so, yeah, it, no, you you don't. If we're wrong, we apologize to David Marks, but that's what we heard see kind the, of third hand. See, the general rule that I always knew of is the further you get away from New York City, the worse the pizza is. But I have added, Chicago is an exception. But yeah, I had pizza in California once. and From New York expats i think yeah it's uh escape from new york pizza in in san San Francisco. francisco and it was okay i mean i'm not saying it was bad but it was just okay like i just don't think it's possible to get good pizza in california yeah but a couple of other places we didn't go to that I would like to go to at some point. Griffith Griff, Griffith Observatory, not yes. just because Brian says he used to go there as a kid all the time. I would like to go to a show at the Greek Theater sometimes. And I know Brian did a lot of shows there before. Yeah. And of course, another historical California band event happened at the Greek Theater in 1986. It would be nice to pay homage to. Yeah, that was when Mike Nesmith joined Mickey, Davey, and Peter. Just a surprise guest appearance at a Monkees concert in 1986. Yeah. And I would love to find out what store it was in San Diego where Nick Walusko drove down all the way from LA because he heard they had this new smile bootleg. He drove there, got the bootleg, put it in his car, but because his car did not have air conditioning... And it was hot weather. The thing like severely warped and he tried to flatten it out in his oven. Ugh. And basically he had a piece of unplayable vinyl. So and probably <laughs> I want to know what store that was. If it was Cow Records, then man, we have been to another Beach Boys related site. Ooh. Yeah. When would that have been? In the eighties or early nineties? Early nineties. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, it would be in a time when I'd somebody be, would own an unair conditioned car. I would be shocked if uh, <laughs> if such store still existed. Just thinking, thinking about the uh, the vast graveyard of good record stores and stores that carried bootlegs. And yeah, and even though it's not a I Beach Boys site, really, we did go to Amoeba Music, and yes, it's huge, but I still prefer the San Francisco location. It was pretty neat, though. Oh, it, was, it absolutely was. was. It absolutely was. And I mean, it, and I'm, I'm, I'm open to going and back And keep there. in mind, it's like a brand new location. That is it only, very true. So it's not the amoeba that people knew and loved for many years. This location only opened, it was like during the pandemic. Yeah. I think it was like sometime in 2021. Yeah. But it is really nice. Oh, there is another significant Beach Boys site that we did go to, and that's Carnegie Hall. It's not in California, but... <laughs> So, yeah, because that, that's a pretty significant place because, hey, of course, we saw a Smile concert there. And that's where those fans basically raised money to put on a Beach Boys concert in the early 70s when nobody was interested in the Beach Boys. They were able to sell out the venue. Yep. So and, that's, that's pretty significant. If you and, hey, me. we used to live two blocks away from a place where the Beach Boys performed. <laughs> Well, well, Mike and yeah, Bruce. Mike and Bruce. And we we lived like a five-minute walk from where your aunt and uncle saw them a few years in a row back in the 60s. Yep. Uh, Convention Hall in Asbury Park. Yeah. Right on the ocean. Yeah. And uh, this is one of these lame claim to fame things. Now, either my ex-sister-in-law or one of her colleagues was a real estate agent who showed the house that Brian used to live in in St. Charles. Ooh. <laughs> I want to say it was one of her colleagues. I'm not sure, but I, I'll have to ask her sometime. But but yeah, was, she worked for the same agency, at least, that, that was selling his house. And I, I remember seeing the ad, and it said, like, 
built-in recording studio. It's like, of course there's a, I mean, we knew about that. (laughs) And uh, I remember, um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this in this podcast before, but for 17 years, I worked part-time as a test prep instructor on nights and weekends, basically teaching people how to beat the system at taking college entrance exams. And I remember once the first day of an MCAT course, an MCAT prep course, basically during an icebreaker, one of my students talked about how she lived in St. Charles. And I said, oh, my hero Brian Wilson lived there. And she said, I know. He lived in the same, on the same street as I did. He <laughs> used to hang out with this guy named Joe all the time. <laughs> she said, it's a weird neighborhood and they both fit in very well. <laughs> See, you don't think of St. Charles as having weird. No. <laughs> but maybe there are just behind uh, the front doors of pricey homes. <laughs> despite living a half hour drive from there at the time... I was not at the St. Charles High School concert. Hmm. I was not at the Imagination concert. I don't even know if I knew it happened. Hmm. But, man. Yeah. And is there any, anywhere else that we're taught we're thinking of going or would like to go that we didn't get to yet? Well, again, there's Mount Vernon and Fairway. Yes, yes, and absolutely. I think there's probably a few other restaurants. <laughs> that- like El Coyote, which I yeah. believe is uh, the one that Brian thanked in the liner notes of uh, Live at the Roxy for having the best ribeye steak. (laughs) Even though in the same article when he talks about how Beverly Glen Deli, you just go there for the food, he said that if I go to the El Coyote, I'm probably just going to order the tacos. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Did I say the El Coyote? As in the the coyote. (laughs) And why are you saying it like just, you can say coyote. El Coyote. (laughs) (laughs) There. We need to just do a, like a Brian Wilson eating tour. Yeah, right. <laughs> like right. restaurants that we know Brian likes. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> again, again, not to stalk him, no, not to try to, to run yeah. into him, but more that more it's an endorsement. Like, hey, if Brian likes it, it must be good. <laughs> yeah, like I'd like to know where he ever went out to eat when he was on tour here, for example. Well, probably one of the big steakhouses, I'd imagine. Yeah, or or they had food brought in i mean we don't know or if that. they actually That's went true. to a restaurant i mean because i when they're touring i don't know if they have time to really go sit in a restaurant unless they're staying in the same place for a little while hey i did hear a story years ago of uh, somebody going to a restaurant after a brian show and look over and saw that there was a big table with a sign on it that said reserved and he th- he thought god wouldn't it be awesome and sure as hell Oh, it was Brian? Yep, or? it was Brian and the band and a couple of their crew, and the guy said he ran to his car, scrambled, looking around, and found the Caribou CD of 15 <laughs> big ones, oh, God. and ran back in and asked Brian for an autograph. Brian looked at it, he said, going to a chapel and... <laughs> <laughs> How long ago was that? This had to have been like early 2000s. Okay. And hey, we did see Brian's band after the show in Toronto. When we went to Franz afterwards. Oh, I saw um, Nelson walk out of Franz before the show. But like, weren't, weren't a bunch of them there after the show? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But And of course, when we went to New Buffalo for the uh, <laughs> Mickey and Mike show that one time, and Probin was on tour with them, we go into the buffet and the cashier says... Yeah, the, the show was at the Four Winds, the Four Winds Casino. Casino. We go into their buffet and the cashier said, oh, yes, yeah, so you're here for the show. Yes, yeah, some of the band's here, too. And I said, wouldn't it be interesting if the, if they sat us like right by Probin? They did. They did. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told that story before. Yeah. Nothing earth shattering, but still. And I know that I've seen Paul Mertens walking through Lincoln Square a couple of times. Well, because he like he probably lives, lives here. <laughs> but anyway, we're going way off topic. And I think now's a good time to, since we're just kind of meandering to just meander away from the podcast for another month. What do you think? Or, well, since September is starting in just a few days, probably not so much another month. We'll, yeah, probably, we'll, we'll, we'll probably record again sooner. God knows we have enough to talk about. Well, we've been talking about the Beach Boys since, what, like 1996, 97? Yeah, even before we even met in person. Yeah, yeah. and we still haven't run out of things to talk about. No. <laughs> but that's and, uh, why we do the Two Next Podcast. Yeah. Ooh, a great segue into the outro. So, yeah, thank you for uh, listening, and and thank you for uh, eavesdropping on our conversation. This is Sean. And Lisa. Talk to you again. Thank you for listening to the Tune X Podcast. 
please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and just about every other provider out there. If TuneX isn't on your favorite provider, please let us know. You can email us at tunexpodcast at gmail.com. Our website, which includes the show notes, is tunex.fab4it.com. Fab4IT is spelled F-A-B, then the number four, then I-T. Feel free to connect with us on social media. TuneX is on Facebook, and we're also on Instagram and Twitter, both under the handle of TuneX Podcast. Our opening and closing theme, Melody 10, was written and performed by Scattered Frog. All other music and sounds used in this episode remain the properties of their respective copyright holders and are used for the purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. We'll see you next time, friends. Until then, don't don't back back down down from from that that wave. wave.